Welcome to episode 71 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. Today we'll be discussing uh, tonight's NBA games. Of course, it's the first night of the NBA pod, uh, NBA coming back after the All-Star break. So naturally, we'll get to discuss just a few games, break down teams overall, and just have a good time here. Of course, the first game we're going to get into is the the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers taking over the Detroit Pistons. I didn't bother taking a whole lot of notes for this one because guess what? It's the same predictable one. Cleveland playing Detroit. I don't care if it's at Detroit. Detroit's going to lose this game. Naturally, we're trying to get that number one pick. Obviously, we're not going to get the number one pick because why would the NBA give us back-to-back number one picks? Anyway, enough of my rant. I think uh, I think it will be a good game up until the, the fourth quarter. I think Darius Garland is going to be the guy that takes it over for Detroit or for Cleveland against Detroit. Obviously, we don't really as much as I love Killian Hayes. I don't think he is the defensive point guard that's going to stop killing uh, Darius Garland. So naturally, again, him coming off the All Star break, they might be a little bit sluggish because a lot of their guys participated. You know, Garland, Mobley, Allen. Uh, I'm trying to remember if anybody else was in it. No, just those three. So yeah. Of course, like I said, it oh a quarrel also my bad. Even though he didn't really play a whole lot. Anyway, point is, I, Cleveland might come out sluggish, but towards the end, I think they'll pick up their groove and they they'll uh, come away with a close but pretty much a statement win. I know again that one doesn't seem like too much of a an analysis analysis, but who really needs the analysis for that one? Next, the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, uh, I don't believe Ben Simmons is back yet. He, I, I mean, he won't be tonight. But I think people don't really care about the Brooklyn Nets game until March 10th, and of course, that's when they go to Philly to play the uh, the 76ers. Of course, obviously, that's the Ben Simmons, James Harden, all of that situation that we don't really need to get into. Of course, though, this is also, uh, of course, Boston's uh, first game back. I know they closed out the. Uh, the uh, first half, first part of the season, or first chunk of the season, I should say, um, losing to Detroit, which obviously isn't a, f- a fun way to go out. But I think they do come out pretty motivated to, at the very least, take it to a Brooklyn Nets team that now could potentially have Kyrie Irving back for the, the remainder of the season. Um, but, you know, with the New York laws, the um, mask mandate pretty much being lifted in New York. So yeah, Kyrie Irving would potentially be available full time now. He doesn't really have to you know, he doesn't have to basically stay by the team charter to uh play games now. So of course now, uh with that being said, that and KD could potentially be coming back in the next couple of weeks. Maybe even even like in the next week or so he could be coming back. Ben Simmons might be, you know, mentally ready to come back. I know he's not still in conditioning, but you know, he, he, I'm sure he'll be back in the next week or two. This Nets team is going to come into their own. And I think that like the losing obviously is going to – I don't expect them to continue a losing streak post uh, KD and Simmons coming back. But I, like I said, crazy things have happened, but I'm not really – I'm not betting on KD and Ben Simmons, a motivated Ben Simmons losing tonight's game. Obviously, they again they are. Oh wait, oh, sorry. The, looking at the injury report, Kyrie Irving is indeed out, so they are going to be without all of their guys. Of course, Harris is obviously still out. Goran Dragic hasn't even been with the team yet, so naturally, 
they are they are going to miss a lot of uh, a lot of the guys. But again, again, I'm not. Again, I'm not. I'm not betting on the Brooklyn that's losing. Honestly, I can see them potentially beating Boston tonight. And even I know that's kind of bold, but Patty Mills, I think uh, they still have a decent enough team to where they don't have to worry necessarily about uh, Boston. I know like they are on a ridiculous losing streak, and the guys that they're putting out are not the best, especially when it comes to somebody that to a team that has championship aspirations. I know missing five of your key rotation guys does not help that situation whatsoever. But at the same time, like you can trust a guy like uh, you, you have to, you know, learn to trust guys like Cam Thomas, like Patty Mills, which I mean, obviously Patty Mills has earned trust, but it's the same concept. Obviously, uh, young guys like David Duke and Kessler Edwards, and even, even the vet and Nicholas Claxton, but also veterans like a James Johnson, like a Blake Griffin, like uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, those guys that who are he, the guys that you basically signed to be productive members of your team, because realistically, Joe Harris probably does not come back this season. Realistically, Ben Simmons probably isn't in his uh in his own like the Ben Simmons that we know probably won't be back until mid March, maybe even into late March because of how long he's been out of game competition, like in-game basketball. I'm sure he's been working out on the side, obviously, but realistically has not played a game since May. That's going to take a lot out of a guy, and I know he's not going to be, again, he's not going to be the guy that's putting up triple-double after triple-double like he was when uh, he was playing without Embiid in Philly. So, you know, you're really going to have to look at, like, again, a Cam Thomas, a Kessler Edwards, a Nico Claxton to be that next step up until Ben Simmons is fully ready to compete again, which I'm not going to I'm not going to bet on it being anytime soon, which you shouldn't have need to rely on that. But the chances are Brooklyn is probably going to rely on it because they built the team instead of. They essentially have capped themselves into a po- to the point where they can't go out and get quality role players to match the uh to match the veteran presence that they or to match the star power on this team that they've built because they paid Joe Harris who's injured they've paid Patty Mills who's been good but Patty Mills essentially being your second to third best player this season is not going to cut it on a championship a team with championship aspirations again you spent you know, mid-level exceptions on James Johnson and Pat uh, Paul Millsap uh, before they traded him. And they weren't good. Or traded Paul Millsap, I should say. They weren't, like, neither of them have been good this year for Brooklyn, and that's why they sent Paul Millsap. Because, A, Paul Millsap wants to play, and he wasn't playing because he was bad for them. And it, I'm not, like I said, it's... This team is very difficult to figure out, which I guess is why they're such a talked-about team, because you can find all the positive and all the negatives with this team. Because, like like I said, you look at a situation of Paul Millsap, or even you even go up, uh, up in the route, like a Kyrie Irving, who right now, his situation is he might be able to play the rest of the season. He might be only able to play like 10 games the rest of the season, because... Of the new, you know, the COVID New York situation, 
I'm not again. I'm not gonna be. I don't want to be the team that's relying on. And again, that's kind of why they picked up Goran Dragic in the first place. Even though they have Pat Mills, they kind of they picked up Goran Dragic specifically because they don't know about the, the Kyrie Irving situation. Dude, they don't know if he's gonna be here for ten games. If he even is gonna play half the playoff games this year, who knows? But if he is able to play, boom, you have you have him. You have Goran Dragic. You have Patty Mills and David Duke as a four guard rotation, and even Cam Thomas is, is a fifth guard. Uh, and boom, you are set for the playoffs because again, the team is going to be dominated by guard play. Even though, yes, you have Ben Simmons in the East, and you have uh, a Jesus, the, the Giannis. I was trying to think of another big in the East, but uh, Giannis obviously uh is going to be Giannis is probably the only big man, quote unquote, that has led a team to the championship in the last what ten years. This is going to be dominated by heavy guard play, and I don't know if if Kyrie Irving has absolutely been the guy on a championship team. He has been at least at the second, the bare minimum, the second guy on a championship team. Sometimes LeBron did legitimately let him close out at the end. But I will say, is Kyrie Irving right now in the current mental state that he's in? Not saying he has any issues. We're not going to. Obviously, we're not going to judge his uh, situation because it's one of the more unique situations that's ever come across the NBA. But do you trust that situation in oh, the, the Brooklyn? Jesus almost called it Oklahoma City. Uh, if you call it, uh, if you trust that situation in Brooklyn, why would uh, if, uh, would you trust him? Sorry, in that situation in Brooklyn to be the guy on a championship team? Granted, KD can definitely be that guy, but KD has already been hurt twice this season. Are you going to trust his body to hold up come playoff time? Considering he has not been in, he's not been in conditioning for almost five weeks, and it's basically took him out the MVP conversation because he's been out of conditioning for five weeks. That's like I said the again the Brooklyn Nets. While all, I just pointed out every single negative of this team, it's still the team that has Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and a, a few really good role players on this team. That's actually pretty good now to flip over to the other side the boston celtics a team that was kind of active at the trade deadline obviously they traded uh dennis shooter for uh daniel tice i was like i don't see why am i blanking but yeah they got daniel tice as a big man it is a big man while i again i was absolutely not a fan of boston going after another big man i do appreciate them going uh, getting another big man because they flipped two big men that weren't good for them and they got a big man that could be actually be useful and understands the system because he played in Boston once upon a time. And by once upon a time, I mean like two years ago. He, again, brings defense, which this team absolutely needs. Granted, they could absolutely use playmaking on this team too, which I think will probably be focused more on the offseason. I don't know if this is a John Wall situation, or not John Wall situation, but like, if they do absolutely go after John Wall in the offseason, Marcus Smart, be prepared for Marcus Smart to be a situation. They call uh, Houston back up and say, hey, I see John Wall is pretty, uh, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty unhappy in Houston. Granted, it's not, it's Marcus Smart is only a money option. That's not somebody that Houston, I think, would want long term. But it's somebody that can match salaries. And I think they would do, like, granted, you probably messed that up by trading Josh Hart. Or Josh Richardson, sorry, because he next year would have been expiring, and Houston would absolutely take an expiring contract. And you can throw a pick at him. 
Houston, uh, Boston with John Wall, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, I think it's good enough to be a playoff team. So that first round pick should not mean anything to to Boston. But you instead you traded this year's first round pick and Josh Richardson for Derek White. Which again, Derek White's a good player, but it's like it's very disappointing considering you could have got John Wall with that pick almost what five months from now. But anyway, Boston, I'd say, is still a playoff team. Still a first-round exit. And boom. Like, you're back to where you were two years ago. That team is stressful to talk about. But the next game on the docket, obviously, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves, two teams that have obviously been on the rise this year, two teams that have severely surprised everybody this year. Of course, John Morant, MVP convers- uh, MVP candidate, uh, Jaron Jackson. Like, Memphis, crazy enough, and again, I've talked about it more than once on this podcast, honestly, twice, three, four times on this podcast. They are the, probably the deepest team in basketball, deepest young team in basketball. And even, even if you don't consider every single one of their players young, they're probably the oldest person in that rotation is Kyle Anderson, who's like 28, and is still a very productive player on this team. Even with the minutes dropping, it's still very productive. Steven Adams is also pretty, uh, not up there in age, but he's about 27, 28 years old. But it's still somebody that's really actually played really well. I think the numbers don't say it, but him just rebounding the basketball has absolutely taken the pressure off of Jaron Jackson Jr., who's not a rebounder at that spot, but also made uh, Desmond Bain. Has taken. He doesn't need to be the the lock, a lockdown defender necessarily. He just needs to stay in front of his man. And even if he's not, Stephen Adams is much better. Uh, is a good enough paint protector to where it's not necessarily a negative for him. Or even Jaron Jackson Jr., who can block shots, is not necessarily a negative. If even if he's you know in sometimes in foul trouble, I would like to say Desmond Bain obviously has been one of the biggest surprises this season for Memphis, and it absolutely deserves. Everything he's, he even deserved potentially an all star ballot this year. I don't know who would, he would have replaced, but he absolutely could have uh, been at least somebody that was talked about more as potentially an all star replacement. Uh, again, we mentioned John Morant. No, nothing really needs to be said. Obviously, it's been amazing this year. Deserves to be in the conversation for MVP. Obviously, I know I kind of slandered him a couple episodes ago. Not slandered, but I talked about him in a, a couple episodes ago. But that was mostly to get my DeMar DeRozan quota. Uh, uh, quota, you know, to emphasize that more than to derail uh, John Morant. Obviously, John Morant has been incredible this season for Memphis. And again, them being the third seed, nobody saw that coming this year. Even though they, yes, they were good last year. Yes, they've been to the playoffs every every year since John Morant has been on the Grizzlies. I don't know how the they have absolutely been the most surprising team this year. You could probably. Point to Chicago being the first seed being surprising, but we knew this team was going to be a playoff team. Let's be honest here. Any logical NBA fan would have said they would have been a playoff team this year, and nobody would have batted an eye. But them being the first seed, I think, has given them that extra boost in terms of you know being a surprise a surprise because you know nobody again nobody expected them to be first. People expected them to be sixth, seventh. You know, probably in the play-in tournament, they win that and then lose to. Brooklyn, whatever, in the first round. That's kind of how you pictured their season going this year. But, shoot, you can call them a legitimate contender. And now that you picked up Tristan Thompson, 
you have size to where you can match up with Giannis, even though he's Tristan Thompson's not a defender. You can just throw a body at Giannis, throw a body at Joel, throw a body at KD, throw a body at uh Jesus. <laughs> I'm blanking here. Um, but you like you get the you get the premise though. Like that's a, a pickup that again won't be won't matter necessarily twenty or like not twenty, but uh two, three years from now, but a pickup nonetheless that can help you in the next six months. To where you, a team is legitimately competing for the cha- a championship in Chicago, you absolutely could have. It was dope enough to make that move. Now, again, back to the Grizzlies, another one of those, those surprising teams. Memphis quite didn't quite make that move in the the at the deadline. I don't know exactly what the, like a Kyle Anderson trade was like hinted at, but at the same time, like. Shoot, they don't really necessarily need to get anything back for him because you have, you already have a 10, 11 man rotation, even without Kyle Anderson. That's really, really impressive. Plus, you have guys like Santi Aldama that's sitting there. You have DeAnthony Melton that's sitting there. Even guys like, uh, that are uh, like Tyus Jones and like that are just Jared Culver, guys that are just sitting there who can absolutely give you the same uh, production or even better production given, you know, what the circumstance, then a Kyle Anderson. And again, a, 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 even if he's bought out, which I don't understand why they would make the rosters move right now, again, for somebody that's been productive and is already on an expiring deal anyway, and two, as, hasn't really hinted that he's unhappy, would be the word. He hasn't really, un, like, he hasn't hinted at that. But... At the same time, like I'm sure they probably either want the money back or would want something else in return, like a, a pick or whatever, like a, a second round pick. But again, I don't know what they would have taken back for what nine million dollars that contract. So on the other side, the Timberwolves probably would have taken that contract. To be honest with you, they, I'm sure they are happy right now just to be even in consideration for a playoff spot. I'm pretty sure they had what the seventh seed, sixth seed right now, seventh, seventh seed right now. A team that's been fighting really hard this year because going into the season, being again, confession, I had zero faith in this team. Again, that was absolutely me being stupid because none, none these dudes did not play together at all last year. I think they probably played legitimately. Like ten games, the top three played 10, 10 games with each other this year, or last year. Now that they've been healthy again, for the most part, I know D'Lo missed time, but for the most part, since they've been healthy, they're a playoff team. So again, so far, I don't know uh, something. Some things can go off legitimately off the rails this year, but exci- there is excitement in Minnesota for the first time in God knows how long since. KG was in town, like legit excitement around Minnesota basketball. Honestly, when Jimmy Butler was there, they were they there was pretty much a lot. There was a lot of excitement, but he did get injured, and a lot of everything went downhill with that. Does not to be need to be brought up again. But Minnesota, again with Minnesota now, you have your similar to your big three that you had in Minnesota, the with the uh, the Jimmy Wiggins team, but this one. Anthony Edwards is happy to be in Minnesota. D'Lo is happy to be in Minnesota. Cat is playing the most motivated basketball of his career. I know he the numbers, he's not putting up nearly the points that he was putting up, but 
he's playing defense, he's playmaking, he's you know, he's ta- he's taking the aggressive shots that he honestly should have been taking even when he was averaging 27. He's you know, he's doing everything that we said he should be doing and is doing and honestly, it's legitimately leading to uh to wins. Without Cat, I love Nazir Little. Obviously, he had the, you know, the Jelly Fam thing going on in high school and he was a pretty he was a pretty popular dude. I actually like him, but at the same time like I don't think with him as a starting center, Minnesota is anywhere near the playoffs. Probably not anywhere higher than 12th, to be honest. As great as Anthony Edwards is and as great as D'Lo is, Cat is the glue, the glue to this team offensively and, to be honest, defensively. Again, Patrick Beverly can obviously make the argument for. But Cat, Cat being motivated on defense and absolutely being aggressive on offense is the direct reason to Minnesota even still being like talked about at all this year, much less a playoff team. Next, the next game on the docket, the Warriors and the Blazers. I legit had to go look up Portland's starting lineup because trades, injuries, it's been abysmal. It has been horrible. It's been wretched, and somehow they are still in a play-in spot. Now, again, the Kings are hot. The Spurs are a team that's still fighting, even because Popovich is still the coach. New Orleans still got a dynamic duo. So I don't know how much Portland has left with all the injuries and all the people that have been traded and flipped and 700 team trade later. Anthony Simons says this tank can go kiss my black behind and absolutely appreciate Anthony Simons for what he's done for Portland because legit without him, they're the worst team in basketball without Anthony Simons and this injured Damian Lillard stuff. And without that, they're legit the worst team in basketball. Because, again, I will read you the starting lineup. And the average, again, take Simons out and replace it with, like, Eric Bledsoe or whatever. Point guard, then Josh Hart, Ben McLemore, Justice Winslow, and what is now is going to be Drew Eubanks since Yusuf Nurkic is out for at least a month. At the bare minimum, a month at the height, I think it's seven weeks. That starting lineup wins five games. That's if Ben McLemore is like coming out of college, Ben McLemore, not 32, whatever year old Ben McLemore right now. This, it, it, again, that's me being generous. This team probably wins five games. Anthony Simons currently has them at 25 wins. And that is, again, with 25 games left in the season. The 25 and 34, that's what, 50? No, that's 59. So 23 games left in the season. He has them, again, as the 10th seed, only two and a half games behind the Lakers for the ninth seed. So even then, you know, LeBron tweaks a knee and Anthony Simons averages 30. Portland's ahead of the Lakers. You know, knock on, knock on wood, obviously, you don't want LeBron getting hurt because obviously that's the face of the league and legitimately somebody that, like, is, like, somebody you absolutely don't wish bad on whatsoever. But, like, you know, God forbid LeBron goes down with, you know, even the slightest of injuries. The Lakers can't he can't compete without him, especially now that AD is probably gone. Uh, Again, and Anthony Simons catches hot for the second half of the season. Damian Lillard style, ironically. The Portland Trailblazers are the ninth seed in the West. 
without Dame. Essentially, because Dame is the only thing he's only played like what, 10, 15 games this year. He's been out for a good while. How? <laughs> and again, obviously, Anthony Simons has absolutely been under the learning tree of Damian Lillard for, what, four years now? And definitely should be paid for it. But at the same time, how on earth has the, he guided, guided this, let's be honest here, horrible roster to a respectable 25 wins at the All-Star break. I will never understand it. I, I, won't, I won't understand it. And again, you can argue with me all day, but Anthony Simons is probably the most approved player of the year. I know a lot of guys have really taken a step up this year. Jordan Poole was amazing through the first couple of months of the season. But man, all right, I will, all right, so side note, I will read you this Portland Trailblazers rotation. This is essentially the depth chart. Point guards, or obviously, a lot, you'll hear me say names multiple times because guys play multiple positions, obviously. But at the point guard position, Anthony Simons, Eric Bledsoe, and Brandon Williams. Shooting guards are CJ Elby and Ben McLemore. Small forward, Josh Hart and Elijah Hughes. Power forward, Justice Winslow, Greg Brown, and sometimes Josh Hart, too. Centers, Drew Eubanks and Trent Wofford, who just got picked up. Oh, he, he who just signed a multi-year deal. Congratulations to him also. I believe it's a three-year or f- no, four-year deal. And two of them are guaranteed. Two of them are non-guaranteed. Those are his, his, that's his new contract. And shoot, Drew Eubanks, again, also just got signed to a new contract because the Raptors waived him in the, go- in the Goron trade. Eubanks again just got picked up and is probably going to play thirty plus minutes at center. That's how like horrible this rap this Blazers team is right now. They legit just got uh, are just going to pick up dudes like Trent Wofford who just came out the G League two way contracts and they're going to get major minutes on this team that could potentially be in the playoffs. That is how bad Portland has been for the last month, especially in the last two weeks after the trades. Because again, you got nothing back for CJ. Or yeah, basically nothing back for CJ. You got almost nothing back for Norman and Rocco because guess what? You decided to trade your entire rotation since things don't work no more. You you're tra- you traded your entire rotation, which was granted like eight people, except for Anthony Simons and to some extent Nazir Little. But even then, Nazir Little is injured. So you essentially you basically did sacrifice your entire rotation just to have basically for for hope. You're hoping, not even you're not you're not even praying. You're hoping that Dame, that Bradley Beal says, you know what, Damian Lillard's a nice dude. Maybe I can vacation in Portland, Oregon, of all places. Maybe maybe I might go take a trip to play with my boy Dame. That is what you're hoping. You traded your entire rotation for the hope of Bradley Bill or whatever craziness comes up in Boston for Jalen Brown, I guess. I don't even know what Portland what Portland Portland is literally only hoping for Bradley Bill. Unless this situation right now is essentially 2016 Portland. Where they got rid of all their starters, i.e., CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, uh, Larry Nance Jr., and the injury to Nusif Nurkic, 
for the hope of getting somebody crazy for a Damian Lillard to play with, and then you 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 let all of them walk walk for less than favorable pieces. Like maybe even then, like the only high end free agent next year is uh, Zach Levine, and I fully expect him to go back to Chicago. So I would like to say again. How many what what exactly was it? Was it worth it? Was it was it worth giving up your entire rotation for the hope of Bradley Bill? Because even if you get Bradley Bill, are they gonna win a championship next year? Be honest. You're not. Okay, so I will read you every single free agent next year. Gary Harris, Zach Levine, Ricky Rubio, Andre Iguodala, Thaddeus Young, jo- uh, Joe Ingles, who's gonna be gone. Tor- um, Torian Prince, Yusuf Nurkic, TJ Warren, Robert Covington, who they can't sign because he has to be away from the team from at least for at least a year. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's a restricted free agent. Thomas Tomas Sadoransky, who you just traded, or is he still there? No, he's still there. He's still on the roster. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Serge Ibaka, Montrez Harold, Derek Jones Jr., uh, Delon Wright. Kyle Anderson, Kyle Anderson, uh, Thomas Bryan, I think, just signed an extension, so he's not. I don't think he's a free agent. Chris Boucher, Mo, uh, Mo Bamba's a restricted free agent. Dennis Schroeder, Avery Bradley, uh, how many do how many do Diallo is under team control? Colin Sexton is a, a restricted free agent. Javel McGee, Robin Lopez, Lou Williams, and Jalen Smith. And I think that's basically everybody that's like rotate Kavan Looney, I guess. Basically everybody that's like a rotation piece right now on their current teams. Who in that in the sixty million dollar uh sixty million plus do you realistically have a chance at getting? Huh, Portland? Who do you really realistically the sixty million that you have right now that you allegedly created all these trades? Are you sixty million dollars in cap space? Who for twenty plus million dollars you going to you going to give Gary Harris that ridiculous contract that he got from Denver a few years ago? Not a chance, bro. I promise you that. Like you didn't actually create all this money to sign mid level talent because you could have just kept the roster that you have not had three weeks ago when you had Roko, who was okay, not great, but okay. You had uh, your CJ McCollum, I don't, I get, I get that you wanted to split up CJ, but did you have to get rid of Larry Nance Jr., who was really good for you? Did you have to get rid of uh, 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 Norman Powell, who's really good for you, and you gave up, which was essentially your backcourt mate to Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr., who was essentially supposed to be your next generation's Damon CJ. You gave that up essentially now for free. Because, again, everything you got back from the Clippers in the Norman Powell trade is not going to be worth anything. Because the Clippers are still going to be good next year. So their first-round pick is absolutely worthless. You got back Eric Bledsoe, who's been god-awful for three years now. Basically, since he – honestly, even when he was in, it was in Milwaukee, he wasn't that good, which is why they traded him for Drew in the first place. But, again, in New Orleans, he was buns. When he went back to the Clippers, he was buns. Now in Portland, he's been bunned. And like that's the that's the most valuable piece you got. I get Keon Johnson was, you know, they got a young guy back. But it's Keon Keon Johnson's not in their rotation right now. 
even as a young guy, a team that's allegedly tanking, he's not in their rotation. So they don't really care about Keon Johnson. It was just, oh, we'll sprinkle this, you know, 21-year-old, a 20-year-old prodigy in there as a, a little spice to get rid of your two starters who probably were your third and fourth, fifth best player this year. I don't know how you really view Larry Nash Jr. in Portland, to be honest. But essentially was your third and fourth to fifth best player in Portland this this season was was Rocco in Norman Powell and you got back four dude three dudes who are not in your rotation and then you immediately flip it for Tomas Sanaransky who again is not in your rotation uh Didi Luzada who's injured and that's literally it you got picks back sorry but again, you got picks back, and it's not like Portland is the greatest when it comes to drafting people. They lucked out with Dame, and they lucked out with CJ in development. But even then, CJ wasn't even in the rotation for the first two, three years of his career because he was playing behind guys like Wes Matthews, who, again, was great for Portland, but basically flat, flopped almost any other place he went, especially for a lot of the money that he was signed for. It uh, Again, Portland... I don't want to keep ranting on Portland because like it's worthless to talk about at this point, but it just sucks that like uh, somebody like Damian Lillard, who's been as loyal to the franchise as he wants, and again at this point, like Dame, absolutely, it like the Dame situation is tiring to an ex- to an extent, but again, somebody who's legitimately as good as Damian Lillard shouldn't really be stuck in a situation like Portland, but I understand why he wants to live in Portland. So, yeah, we've gotten off of that. Obviously, to the contrary, a team that shouldn't be, that wasn't ran well in Portland, now a team that absolutely has been ran well in Golden State. Obviously, the Warriors, you know, they basically, as soon as Draymond comes back, this is immediately a contending team again. Yes, they've hit a little bit of a a roadblock post Draymond. I mean, they've been back to winning games, obviously. But. Like overall, have been struggling without Draymond Green. They've been average. Klay Thompson obviously is still getting his conditioning back, so I'm not obviously going to judge him there. Steph Curry, after an all-time worst struggle uh, for him, has absolutely been amazing in the last few games. Again, obviously had the legendary All-Star performance, but for the most part, he's been all right. Like I said, it's Steph Curry, so you obviously expect him to be this 403-point guy a year every year, but. He's just been he's been solid. He's been a great team player. It's, again, putting up the absolute great numbers. Don't get it twisted. But he's been more of a team guy since Draymond's been out. And I absolutely do appreciate that. Somebody that's been filling the, the Draymond role really, really well is uh, Juan Toscano Anderson. I know he's going to get a bad rap because he was the dunk contest performance. But nonetheless, it's still an amazing role player. And, of course, uh, Otto Porter was an amazing pickup for them in the offseason. I'm surprised that he really went that unnoticed throughout the, the offseason. But, yeah, like, overall, the Warriors, I, and obviously the Warriors are going to win this game, obviously. Like, let's be honest here. But, overall, I absolutely do. Uh, the Warriors, obviously, is still a contender to me. There's obviously no debate on that. And we'll just leave it at that. In the final game, the Denver Nuggets and the Sacramento Kings can't believe that the Sacramento Kings are a team that I want to talk about now. Now, granted, again, the depth is still not there, but wow. They picked up, they really honestly, to me, the Kings did win the trade deadline. 
obviously flipping Marvin Bagley, who wasn't going to come back. And you got Josh Jackson, who's been solid. Uh, he was solid in Detroit. And it's been okay since he uh, has come to Sacramento. Hasn't really gotten the playing time. Trey Lyles, in the minimal minutes he's gotten, has been okay. Dante DiVincenzo has been a breath of fresh air. Don, uh, DeMontis Sabonis really has been has turned the corner in Sacramento. I can't believe I, those words came out of my mouth. But that that's something that's happened. So he's legitimately the cornerstone piece in Sacramento now. And the Kings, a team, again, a team that's fighting for the uh, for a playing spot, has something promising going on. And again, you have a couple of injuries. Obviously, Terrence Davis is out. But it looks bright for the first time in a decade, honestly. Um, to, again, to the contrary, Denver... A team uh, is Nikola Jokic is all I really got to say about this team. It's just Nikola Jokic. But at the same time, I will give Will Barton his shout. Will Barton has absolutely been amazing this year for Denver. Again, as the second best player on this team, somehow has found a way to to not get the bad rap that he's usually gotten for being a, a some somewhat of a shot chucker. But now that he's a starter, you know, he's playing more team ball and has honestly been a better player and a better scorer because of it. Okay, so the, uh, we did finish talking about the games, obviously. One piece of news that came out la- uh, last night after we finished the podcast was the Knicks and Kemba Walker agreeing to for Kemba to be to sit for the rest of the season. Uh, something that, in all honesty, was kind of... It's been about two months in the... It's honestly been... like it, we, we was expecting this, and it's unfortunate... Because like the the story of Kemba coming back to play in his hometown, well, yeah, basically it was his hometown. But uh, him coming back to play in his hometown and it's been treacherous. It's been horrible. He has not been a fit on this team whatsoever. But it is it is pretty it is dope to see. Um, also news from uh, coming out of New York: a possibility of Derrick Rose coming back tomorrow. Is a possibility. Like I said, he's he's been listed as doubtful. Don't get it wrong, but uh, it like it's actually like all it's awesome to see. Like, cause again, Derrick Rose, somebody that again like like Kimba, has come back. Uh, has come back to a, a team that, from like basically, this is a, essentially his comeback story. Like, obviously, people liked him in Detroit, but it was Detroit, so nobody really watched him. Now with the Knicks in New York, like he he's gotten. The, the right amount of buzz and again unfortunately the injury has derailed him but him coming back this uh his this offseason is actually like or coming coming back this season is actually pretty promising for new york maybe they can tom thibodeau said he absolutely is aiming for the play-in tournament but i mean like, high aspirations for a team that has nothing but you know to each their own man I do hope that New York absolutely uh, does look to move these dudes in the offseason and focus on the young talent. Please, for the love of God, focus on the young talent. This team is not winning a championship, so you have to build young. (sighs) Okay, I think we can close the podcast out right there. Um, If you missed the previous 70 episodes of the podcast, of course, they're available on Spotify on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and, of course, right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Goodbye. Oh, 
one piece of programming news. Of course, there will be a uh, a personal episode of the podcast later today. Now we can close out. I love you. You love me. Let's love each other.